Hockey Podcast. Presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Hello, 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 Oilers fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Oil Country Podcast. As always, I am your host, John. Joining me is Kyle, as well as we've got Grant. Grant, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Why Why so down? Why uh, Why the long face? Oh, I can't even right now. This is gonna be This is going to be painful for us, isn't it? <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'll try... Sorry, Kyle. Said Lisa wasn't a sweep. That's like my silver lining right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was there was one game of hope. There was. There one was. Game of hope. And hey, I'm going to start it off right now. I think the Oilers outplayed the Hawks like pretty substantially in Game Four. I thought they played well. You guys just had the timing as well as Corey Crawford just turn back the clock on us. Yeah, yeah. I actually had to miss the game because I was working again. Um, so I didn't really get to watch the full game. I caught the goals, but that was about it. I mean, but I mean, that was, that was kind of what we talked about right from the beginning. Right. I mean, Kubalik was the one who seals it, um, with that clutch goal, uh, great pass by Johnny Taves from behind the net strips bear of the puck, um, keeps that stick lifted so that bear can't clear that puck. Um, and finds Kubalik who again shows off his nose for the net right spot right time uh and he buries it um over the over the shoulder there and it it really was I mean it's funny because you know you guys know that I'm also a Flames fan um when I was watching that series against Winnipeg whenever our stars were on the ice I never felt a hundred percent at ease um Mm. That was a little different story. I mean, the Jets and the Flames, I think that matchup arguably was kind of the best uh, or like it was the biggest toss-up, the biggest 50-50 matchup there was. But um, I wasn't quite at ease whenever those guys, uh, those top guys on the Flames were on the ice, even though they played well, I mean, uh, against the Jets team, a depleted Jets team. Um, Whenever Kane, Taves, Kubalik, Saad, whenever those guys were on the ice, I... I didn't worry. Like I, I, I knew that they would make smart decisions with the puck. Um, I mean, there were times when obviously when it kind of became a track meet, it was just kind of like goal there, goal back, goal there, right. goal back. Um, that was kind of nerve wracking. Cause you know, you really got to see the, the goals start racking up. But um, I think in game four, we really showed what having that playoff experience means. A hundred percent. No, I completely agree with you. It's it's one of those things that I think you can tell. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that this Oilers team is still figuring out how to win in the playoffs and obviously make the playoffs. Um, but yeah, especially that leadership with, with Taze and Keith and Kane. I mean, you, you can't draft that hockey experience, right? That playoff experience. Yeah. That's something that, that has to happen over the years. And I think that's a really big point you just made with that was something, you know, when you compare these teams, that's something definitively that Chicago has over Edmonton had over Edmonton. Yeah. And it, yeah, I mean, it really showed it, it did. And you could tell like, you know, 
when I say earlier that I think the Oilers outplayed Chicago, that's no like disrespect. I mean, I'm not trying to be some salty fan here. At the end of the day, Chicago deserved to win and they rightfully did. But, you know, you look at how much Edmonton controlled possession in that game and largely outchanced them. And obviously, like I mentioned, Crawford came up huge. But when Chicago got those opportunities, they capitalized on them. And they were able to kind of hold back the wave a little bit from Edmonton. And then as soon as there's a slip up and they can't clear the zone, it's in the back of the Oilers net. And, you know, you really look at it and it just comes down to execution. And that's the one thing Chicago every game, you know, minus game two, really out, you know, outdid Edmonton in that factor. Yeah. As well as like the emergence of players all over the ice, right? Like, I mean, Kubelik obviously stood up. We knew Doc, like, he was a better player than I thought he was going to be. He was such a force to be wrecked with, like, all over the slot, um, as well as your defense, right? Like, they were kind of said to be on the back burner, but they impressed the entire series through um, Mata and Dahan, right? Were consistently being talked about by the announcers, um, mm-hmm. just consistently lifting slits. Uh, oh, my God, can't talk, sorry. Lifting <laughs> sticks in the slot and uh, and just clearing pucks out, right? Like, it, it was, although we were getting into the zone and getting chances, Crawford was getting a lot of help right in front of the net by the players there, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, I mean... You know, we talk about Mata and uh, you kind of have to look at the the blue line goals too. We got a lot of a, a lot of goal scoring from our blue line. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that that really helped kickstart our offense as well because we struggled scoring goals in the regular season. Um, and having that support from the blue line really did help. Slater Kokuk had uh, a pretty good series. Oli Mata was kind of up and down. I mean, the game game three, uh, a few of those goals were kind of like a direct, like he was there and he could have made the play, but he either lost his man or just, you know, lost sight of the puck or something. And, 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 uh, you know, it, it, it the puck went in the net, but, um, the guy's not really <laughs> a solid defensive defenseman anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he did come up big in, in, in moments when we needed him, uh, he'd come in with some, uh, big goals and yeah i mean our, our blue line was uh was a factor and uh it was it was good seeing that and i mean kirby doc has just been the evolution of this kid just in this five game series too like in in four games um was amazing i mean he he played uh, i think like 23 minutes the other day uh in game three um like a 19 year old rookie that just goes to show you yeah. how how well this kid plays i mean the coach he has complete confidence in this player um if if you're rolling him for 23 minutes those are like that's like top defenseman type of minutes so well and he was physically stronger than most players he was going against too which is just crazy to see from a 19 year old as well right like yeah Yeah. and i know Grant, you mentioned in our um kind of preview show last weekend that doc was hit more than any other nhl player and you, you can really tell i mean that guy's got balls of steels going into those areas and really doesn't back down. Um, unfortunately, I mean, on a clean hit had hurt Ennis, which was a big loss for the Oilers. But I mean, man, like that guy was a physical monster and was just always, always around the puck, which is crazy. Like you said, being a 19 year old guy. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. And it, it is. Yeah. He's 19 and the kid's like six, four, or six, six or something. Like he's bigger than you think he is. Seven, two. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's ridiculous. It's, uh, it's pretty shocking to see like, you know, when he scores the goal and, uh, you know, Patrick Kane comes over and, you know, gives him the high five or whatever, you just see how much, how much taller he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when he's out on the ice and, and I think that's kind of what happened with that NS play too. I mean, um, just kind of unfortunate caught him, uh, as they were going into the boards and, uh, I guess he caught his ankle or something, right? Yeah. I kind of twisted. Yeah. It looked like, like his ankle twisted inward. Yeah. 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 And it, it was tough too. Cause I mean, from an Oilers perspective, Ennis was one of our, you know, especially early on in the games we struggled, he was one of those guys that was bringing that energy to the lineup consistently when the vast majority of our team wasn't. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I think it's one of those things when you look at any playoff series or playoff run, you need guys to kind of play out of their league a little bit, right? And you bring up Doc and obviously him having that break, you know, that that five months was huge for him. He took advantage of that and came ready to play NHL hockey. And, you know, as a team, if you want to be successful, you really need guys to step up in those crucial moments. And obviously Kubalik is another one that stepped up and you really, you know, you look at Edmonton, I have a tough time looking through that lineup and saying, you know, who played better than was expected. I'd say Chris Russell, he played a little bit higher, but I mean, he's still not in the, like, you know, he's not a game changer and you know, it's one of those things. I, I gotta say, I'm still pretty disappointed that that the lack of chippiness even though it's a playoff series, not really a playoff series, mm-hmm. but there just really wasn't a lot of bad blood until the very end of game four, when Athens EU took a run pretty much. Well, it was, it was like we talked about last week, right? It's like we put all our emotion into the Calgary game and then just lost it all. Mm-hmm. Forgot how to get it back until the end of the series. Yeah. When it meant something. And I know not having fans plays into that, especially, I mean, me and Kyle are going to go into Zach Hassie and like, the guy was a ghost. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, you I, look at it, like he's an energy bringer yeah. and he just didn't show up. Yeah. I, I had, I didn't hear any, I didn't hear his name once. Like I I'm, I'm thinking back on it and like, I didn't see the number 44 around floating around. I didn't see him, you know, causing havoc. I didn't see him do anything. And like, he's one he, of those guys. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, cause like, uh, I don't, I don't want to rub salt in the wound, but I oh, mean, wouldn't ahead. you want a guy like Milan Lucic on the team right now? I mean, look what he did in that Winnipeg series for Calgary. He was amazing for them. Um, the only player to score a, a point in all four games. Yeah. In all four yeah, games. Four. And, uh, that's exactly what Cassian needed to do, but he just didn't show up. Like I didn't. I didn't see him taking runs at guys. I didn't see him hitting anybody. Like I saw nothing from Zach Cassian. And it's one of those things where like, he's one of those guys that the other team should be having nightmares about, right? Like he's the one that you hear footsteps from and you're constantly, your head's on a swivel because it's where is Zach Cassian? He's going to make you pay if you have your head down. And the amount of times I just saw him like not finish checks, clean checks that are bang, bang plays. And I understand you have that defensive responsibility. He's trying to get back on the back check, but like 
you got to do something when you're that player to get your team up, especially when they don't have it. And I mean, we just extended him. I'm not going to, you know, at the end of the day, it's four games. I'm not going to read too, too much into that and into his future as an oiler, but vastly disappointed on my end for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The only nightmares I got from Zach Cassian were those God awful mutton chops. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Get those things off your face, buddy. I love them when he's going. That was awful. In 2017, they were like a terrible, terrible fashion statement, (laughs) but Hey, he was flying in that series or in that little (laughs) two series we had there. But yeah, I, you know, I just look at it where it's like, obviously, you know, it seemed like every game that Chicago won a different factor really came through for Chicago. Obviously. I mean, the first game, it was, that was a dominating performance game four was Corey Crawford um, game three and I'm sorry, Kubalik in game one, obviously was, was a huge yeah. standout. And then game three was obviously just that clutch. Like you get that, you know, you get that execution when you really need it in yeah. a game that, you know, what could have been a coin flip as far as who could have won game three. But yeah. at the end of the day, you execute just a little bit better when you need to than the other team. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would say, I would say we got lucky in game three. I mean, that game was, I think it was a bad game for both teams. I mean, you look at the power play opportunities, neither of us could bury those chances. Yeah. Um, it was just a, a lucky bounce that, that really got us into the game. Um, that gave us more energy. We were able to tie it and then ended up winning the game. Right. So, um, momentum really is, a big thing in, in the game of hockey. And I think game three was, you know, another, um, like more proof of that. Right. You guys capitalize on creating chaos, right? Like we've been asking the Oilers to shoot the puck from the point, but we have nobody that can do it and just create traffic in front of the net. And that's where a lot of your goals came from too, right? Like mm-hmm. we couldn't handle the outside shots and, and get the puck clear. Like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it was lucky, unlucky bounces, right? But it, at the end of the day, like you guys caused those bounces to happen, and we couldn't do the same thing on the end of the ice. So yeah, you've got to put yourself to in a situation to get a lucky bounce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing too. Um, but uh, so I, I was kind of surprised that um, was Evan Bouchard part of the. Why wasn't he uh, on the roster or playing or anything? Is it like the same kind of thing with? Um, Valimaki, like they don't want to, they want to protect him from from the Seattle expansion. Or I was kind of surprised well, that I didn't see him in the lineup. So Bouchard is exempt um, already from the Seattle expansion. Okay, um, but yeah, I mean, he was on the roster. He was able to play. Um, I I figured it was something that if the Oilers went on a run, I think you would have seen Evan Bouchard. But that's a good point. I mean, it did. It, kind of brings up the question, especially with Larson out, you bring Caleb yeah. Jones in who I'm a big Caleb Jones fan. I have no problem with that decision, but mm-hmm. even, you know, like you look at on the right side, we have Benning back there. He had yeah, some moments, but also not a game breaker. But mm-hmm. I think the question with Evan Bouchard is still his defensive gap control. And I think they're just kind of bringing him mm-hmm. along long slowly, but I don't know. 
I don't think that's something that swings the series, but there was a lot of coaching decisions. I mean, Cal and I are pretty big fans of Tippett, but there was definitely some head scratchers as far as Smith first game one, um, not pulling him earlier, the separating the Nuge dry Yamamoto line, which was probably the best line in hockey for a good three months there. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think Tippett's a good coach, but good coaches make mistakes. And obviously hindsight is 2020. I'm not going to be that guy being, you know, questioning a head coach saying, Oh my God, that's absolutely terrible. You need, you need to be fired, but it's something that's, you know, raises the question for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and wasn't, uh, wasn't there like a, a coaching error too, or something where that caused the too many men penalty with well, I think few Koskinen, minutes left in the game? Yeah. Koskinen came back, like came to the bench and then turned around to play a puck that really, oh, fuck. I mean, it was rolling towards the net, but right. it wasn't going like towards, towards the net, just in that zone. And there was really mm-hmm. no Chicago pressure either. I mean, that was just kind of a, salt in the wound at the end of a rough series. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to put it that on him, but at the end of the day, the Oilers had really big pressure. And with two minutes left, you take a too many men penalty. That's squarely on the goalie. Yeah. Well, the wheels just fell off, right? Yeah. At that point, that was kind of, the, I think the way it went. And um, I mean, yeah, that, it was a good series. I mean, watching it was, it was, it was exciting. It was exciting hockey. I mean, a lot of back and forth chances, um, a lot of great goals that we saw from, from both teams, superstars. Um, and I mean, yeah, what's next, what's next for the Oilers? I mean, um, draft lottery, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 12.5%. I mean, even without that though, like we do have at least a little bit more, positivity in our organization now right like i do believe in holland i do believe in Tippett, and we didn't think that it was going to change in a year right at the beginning of the season we thought we were going to be a bubble team so i mean we finished where we thought for the most part but after what we went through this season we definitely expected more so it was tough tough yeah and like like you said yeah. grant i mean it was an exciting series there's lots of highly real goals mm-hmm. um fairly close games for the most part and a lot of back and forth, pretty open hockey. Um, but obviously just on the Oilers end, there's a lot of heartbreak associated with the result. Um, but I, I think there's next, is, I think you know, we need a winger. I think that's it, right? A winger and, and some defensemen. <laughs> that's 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 where we're at. Yeah, yeah the defense is gonna while. be a tough yeah. thing for me. I, I don't know how you I mean, that's going to have to be from developed within, right? That's going to be Bouchard, Broberg, or Bear stepping up and developing into a player. I mean, especially with the cap sitting flat for three years, it's going to be a hell of a draw getting a top defenseman here. Yeah. Yeah. Was, would there be anybody that you'd want to go after in free agency? I mean, you're, you guys are, are you guys pretty close to the, to the cap? I can actually, I've got that in my notes here. Here you go. He's got all the numbers right here. uh, So just under 10 mil with, depending on what they want to do with bonuses. And then our RFAs are Athanasiu, Benning, and Bear. UFAs are Shahan, Ennis, Mike Smith, and Mike Green, who Green will likely be gone. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
Not a ton of space. I mean, Athanasiu oh. and Bear are for sure back. I'm going to guess Ennis is probably back. You're probably only left with, you know, four to five million dollars after that, maybe. Yeah. And that's probably being optimistic, but it's going to be really interesting just how GMs approach their contract management heading into this summer and or this fall and next year. Yeah. Yeah. This combined with Seattle, I mean, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's, it's going to be fun as a hockey fan to watch what every team is going to do and how every team comes out on the other side. But when there's just so many teams that are going to be in really tough situations and that's the case every summer, but (laughs) even more so. Yeah. Even more so this year with the cap, you know, originally being projected to 84, $88 million. And now pandemic hits, it's a flat cap. You know, I look at a team like Colorado. I know we briefly touched on them last episode, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's a situation of the rich are getting richer. Like they're a good team. They've got a ton of cap space and they've got a really big opportunity here to add to that and, and really go on a, you know, be a powerhouse next year. Yeah. What yeah, they're friggin' Sorry, Sack kick is a friggin' wizard. He is, and it's you know, we mentioned this last episode, but it's crazy to think like four years ago, people were calling for Sackick's head and you know, Colorado fans thinking he's the worst GM in history. Like mm-hmm. and then look at them now. But yeah, as far as Chicago, obviously you guys are moving on to the next round. Um I haven't looked, so you guys would play the first seed, obviously being a 12 seed. Is that yeah. locked up as of now? Vegas. Vegas. We'll be playing Vegas. So (laughs) funny enough, it'll be likely be Leonard versus Corey Crawford in a best of seven series. So um, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, uh, I was kind of looking around on Twitter there and uh, (laughs) it was, I mean, Robin Leonard, he's such a beauty. I, I I miss the guy so much. Um, There are Blackhawks fans out there who, who miss you and want you back Robin. But you know, I, I don't think, I don't think he wants to come back. Cause like at the deadline, when we made that deal, I was absolutely livid. Right. Um, I was not happy with the deal. We didn't know that we were going to make the playoffs. Um, didn't know we'd play the Vegas. Right. But uh, I, the only way that trade would have made sense to me was if, Bowman, because like we don't have a goalie signed next year, right? We only have, I think, goal. I, I think Colin Delia is the only guy who has a contract for next season. Um, so we don't have an NHL caliber goalie. Uh, so you know, trading Leonard away made absolutely no sense when he was the superior goalie throughout the entire regular season, right? He had better numbers than Corey Crawford did. Um, he's younger than Corey Crawford, he should have been the goalie of the future for the Blackhawks. Um, so we traded him and in my mind, I'm like, okay, the only way this makes sense is if Bowman had an under the table agreement, like a verbal agreement with Leonard and said, look, we're not going to make the playoffs. Why don't we get you on a team that's going to go on a deep run? Maybe we can get you back next year, get you to that long-term contract, you know, five, six years or whatever. Um, and then we, as a team, at least get like a third round pick out of you or something. Right. right. That'd be the only way that made sense to me. Um, but now those it's situations been, are pretty rare that they actually yeah. work out that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
uh that was that was my hope though you know one can dream um but uh since we found out that the hawks are gonna be playing vegas apparently um leonard has come out and said that he wasn't happy with the way things shake um shook out shake shaked out shook Shook out out. i guess yeah (laughs) shook out um in 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 chicago he said that uh he had signed there with promises that he would have a fair chance to play and uh, at the beginning he wasn't playing enough and even though he was playing better and then he finally was able to play pretty good in like the middle part of the season and then he said all of a sudden i found myself on the bench again even though i was playing really well um so like there is obviously some unhappiness there right and what happened i think was it it was kind of just like one of those um uh um what's the word i'm looking for like one of those uh like kind veteran... of a dilemma no like uh like a guy who's been here a long time he gets a starts no matter right, what just the seniority kind of kicking in seniority that's it yeah it's it was a seniority thing even though that wasn't best for the team right they went with Crawford anyway um and that probably pissed Leonard off because I mean he wants to be a number one goaltender he's 28 and he's looking for a long-term deal especially Um, when he's a UFA this next summer exactly and then he also said that contract extensions just stopped like the the talk stopped going Mm -hmm. um so I mean that looks pretty bad on Bowman and you said Um, Crawford is a UFA this summer as well Exactly. Which is weird because I mean, you have that money coming off in your goalie department. Yeah. Why, why, I mean, maybe unless Leonard just had astronomical expectations contract wise and he wanted to get paid like Carey Price, but I don't know. You can't imagine that being the case. I don't think he's proven himself to be Carey Price level. I mean, he's a good goaltender for sure. He is a, he is a very, very good goaltender. Um, 939 save percentage is nothing to scoff at. I mean, no. that's, that's pretty elite. Uh, but, you know, I, I think, will he make $10 million? I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think anybody's going to go out on a limb yet with him. I'm, I'm just wondering uh, if that's where the talks kind of broke down. Like if Leonard had just such high expectations in the, in the money department, but. Yeah. I don't feel like he's that type of person that carries that. Like he's yeah. asking for so much that he's going to leave a team over it. You know, like uh, he's shown so much mental growth over the past couple of years. I just, I feel like he's not that egotistical player yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Even in, I, I don't in, know what happened. And even back in New York, like he really just wanted term, right? He wanted a mm-hmm. team to commit to him to and give him term. And, that's it. Yeah. 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 I'm pretty sure he, he was looking it. for the exact same deal that they gave Arlamov, which wow. was pretty like, I mean, that's a good deal for Robin Leonard. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, you go ahead and you turn around and sign, you know, the same guy or a different guy to the same type of money deal. So I don't know. Um, I don't know what it is with, with Robin Leonard. I mean, he's, he's just the nicest guy. Um, he's very candid with interviewers and, you know, like he's, he's a breath of fresh air when you, when you listen to his post-game interviews. Um, 
he tells you how it is. And that's the type of guy that fans can really get behind. And the fact that the Blackhawks let him walk um, for a third round pick, uh, I mean, and Subban and Slava Demon, but I mean, non-factors in my opinion. Um, right. We're going to, I think we're going to pay for it in this series. I mean, well, yeah, I, I now don't. Now you have a guy with a chip on his shoulder against you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, that's the thing. And and it was funny. Like, it was funny because I was looking on Twitter. There was a, 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 a pretty high profile Blackhawks um, personality who said, uh, Oh, uh, you know, uh, Robin, Le- we're, it's going to be Hawks versus Robin Leonard. Uh, the Hawks know all of his weaknesses and this should be a good series for the Hawks. And of course, Robin Leonard just replies with like the laughing, crying face emoji. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> I, never I think, understand I think that. we're going to, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I just, I just think we're, it's, it's going to be a rough series. I think it'll be a rough series. There are a lot of things we have to clean up. Um, if we're going to stand a chance against the golden Knights, I mean, no disrespect to the Oilers. Um, I mean, disrespect as a flames fan, but no disrespect as a, <laughs> as a Hawks fan, um, no disrespect to the Oilers, but the golden Knights are a complete team. Yeah. They're, 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 they're so deep. deep, solid. They're such a good team. Yeah. yeah. Four lines, two goaltenders, three pairings, like just the entire team top to bottom. Yeah. Um, deep. And they're going to get Pacioretty back. Their, their regular season highest score. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not looking forward. I mean, it's going to be a fun series, I think. Yeah. Um, We'll see if we can score any goals. I mean, our power play has got to be a lot, lot better. Um, and uh, we've got to be real tight defensively. There's just a lot of things that have to go right. Ha- yeah. we yeah, got to have gonna... a lot of lucky bounces and it's, it's going to be tough. I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights are, they're a team, man. Like they're, they're going to be, they're poised for a deep, deep run. They're the, can I ask you, Grant? You know, um, no, sorry. Continue, John. If you want to say something. No, I was just saying they're the like legit cup contender in this division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you off uh, off Chicago and Edmonton talk. There, as a Calgary fan, it's looking like you're going to play Dallas next. How do you feel about that? Um, I feel a lot better about playing Dallas than St. Louis. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I would not want. To, I did not want to go through the the champs, the reigning champs, let someone else deal with them, at least for the first round. Um, I, I just like the flames to advance past the first round, man. I mean, they need, they need a legit series win. I mean, the Winnipeg jets was a series win technically. Um, cause they're counting qualifier points and right. things as, playoff as regular points, playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we, we beat like the flames beat them without, Shifley and, and Line. A. So, um, I mean, they still had stars on the team, right? They still had Wheeler. They still had Kyle Connor. Um, they still had Hellebuck, obviously, but, yeah, you know, they're missing their top centerman and their top winger. So, you know, that's, that's going to be in tough. You play a team like Dallas or, um, like St. Louis reigning cup champs. I mean, that's, that's a tough, tough task, uh, right out of the gate. Uh, Dallas, I mean, the Flames, they always seem to step up against, uh, against the Flames um, whenever they play each other. The Dallas, always, uh, the Dallas Stars always seem to get the upper hand. But, I mean, 
Um, I think they were dead even this series, uh, this season. It was like one, one and one or something. Um, so I don't know. I, I feel a lot better about it. Um, I think the way they're playing now, if they can keep playing the way they played against the jets, uh, then they have a good shot. You know, they've, they're, they're going to be up against another Vesna, um, Vesna, uh, you know, caliber goaltender and Ben Bishop. Um, their defense is, is strong. Uh, and I mean, if, if you can find a way to shut down Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan, I mean, maybe not Jamie Ben so much anymore, but, yeah. um, you, you, you have a pretty good shot against, against the Dallas stars. I think that's a team that's had, you know, they've got some talent up front, but just so many guys that have been underperforming for mm-hmm. a year or two now. And like you mm-hmm. said, maybe Jamie, Jamie Ben is, this is just his, you know, natural regression, but obviously Bishop has got to be a worry there. But I think as long as Dallas doesn't return to that, you know, really able to score goals, they're not of the four teams. They're easy. The one I would want to play if I was a fan with of, of a team that was moving on. Um, yeah. Bishop is obviously a little bit of a worry, but the, there's a big question mark on can that team score goals? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing too. I mean, I mean, Joe Pavelski. I didn't watch any of the play-in rounds or qualifiers or whatever, because um, I mean, they they, I don't know. It just didn't seem to have really anything on the line. I didn't um, either. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so I don't know how how well they played, but I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, Dallas was like on a on a losing streak dating back to the regular season too. So. Um, I think I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to be kind of like the reverse of last year. I get with the flames where they kind of just kind of just moseyed on into the playoffs. And then we're just run over by a Colorado avalanche team that had already been playing playoff hockey for the last like 15 games of the regular season. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that they step into that series with that kind of energy against the Dallas stars team. That's kind of just kind of like, Oh, well, it's just, play your game kind of thing, you know? Right. Um, they already have that experience of, it's going to be interesting, I think, to, to see how these teams will respond against um, the teams that have played that five game uh, series. Because yeah. the intensity in those games are way different than, you know, just a one-off, like, oh, like qualifying type of game, right? Like there really isn't, there doesn't seem to be much on the line with those kind of games, but when you're playing, even though it's a five game series, um, if anything, that makes it even more, uh, there's more urgency, right? There's more pressure. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, how teams respond to that. And I think like, obviously all these guys are pros, but Mm. just knowing that you can lose three games in the round Robin and you're still the four seed, like that's just human nature that that, you know, that security is going to be in the back of your head, whether it's yeah. consciously or not. I, I mean, I, I caught a little bit of one of the St. Louis games and it was like, this is not the blues. Like I am way yeah, more like scared of them in a series was, yeah. than how yeah. they're showing right now. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you, Kyle there too. And and John, I mean, it, it, it was kind of like a preseason game and or the, they are kind of like preseason games. They, they just don't seem to have anything on the line. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. 
uh, I think very, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I think you're right to like, there's probably going to be a lot of upsets in the first game or two um, with those people getting or sorry, those teams getting their feet under them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I'm sure you see a lot of lower seeds, Montreal coming through and, and beating Philly first game, probably not going to happen, but maybe some other ones. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just as surprised that Philly locked down the first Overall. Dude, they're killing it. They look so good yeah. right now. Yeah. That's so crazy. And Boston um, really struggling too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like huge yeah. shocker. So so yeah. So let me ask you guys. Uh Barry Trotz had said that he's pretty like he's happy with the way this playoff format's been going, like this 2014 playoff. And he'd even be okay with it being a permanent fixture um going forward after this season. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Like, would you want to see them implement a 2014 playoff format? Um, I mean, obviously, the the way I, in my opinion, I think that they would have to, um, I mean, maybe the top four teams get a buy so that they're not, you know, screwing a team like Boston out of the President's Cup, right? Um, with uh, with the way it worked out this, this time around, but... Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on like a 2014 playoff format? Uh, I just think that the more teams you let in, the more you take away from the importance of the regular season. Like, why do we play 82 games if you're just going to allow, you know, three quarters of the team to then get into the playoffs? Like, it seems kind of silly, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it the way it is right now with it being the upper half of the league gets to play for the cup. I, I agree. Um, the other thing that I don't like about it is I think having a buy can kind of turn into a disadvantage, just like you were saying, where, you know, those top four teams have been playing hockey, but it's not really the same level. Um, yeah, if they're sitting still for a week, it's even worse. Yeah. yeah. What I would say, though, I don't know about the 24-team format, because um, I think Kyle hit it right on the head there. It's like when you have 75% of the league or even more making the playoffs or making the play-in round, it, it kind of takes away, especially with an 82 game season and the injuries and everything that happened there. It's just, you might see teams arresting more guys. And I think it kind of takes away from the sport there. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I would be okay with though, say they, you know, at the end of the 82 games, they take whoever's an eighth and they take any of the teams under them that are within like three points of one another. And they play a round Robin and whoever's the highest team in that round Robin gets the like a wild card play in. Yeah. yeah similar that to how baseball does it where yeah. it's like, I mean, they don't do it like that, but where it's like a one-off game or something like that. Yeah. Cause then I you think have that's like, a better solution if you want more games added for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you do it for the, you know, literally like the day the regular season ends, there's a one day break and then it goes into the wild card. So those teams that are ahead of them, don't have to sit for like a week or two but you know it's also more motivation to get into that top seven and then you get four or five days off and then start your playoff round but yeah it's always a tough mix of trying to keep the you know like hockey is such a historic game Mm -hmm. trying to keep the integrity of that and trying to keep winning the stanley cup to mean the same thing but I also do like the kind of progressive, like, I think there's ways of improving this format. So these kind of funky ideas, like even though the Oilers won, 
it was, it's been enjoy, you know, enjoyable to see how this play has played out a lot differently than your average year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been, I've been a real fan of all the chaos that's been going on. I mean, um, seeing all these upsets in this first qualifying playoff round is, has been pretty exciting to watch and it's been fun to watch. And, but I, I see your point. Like you, you don't, you really don't want to ruin the integrity of, um, the regular season. Uh, it would just be, it would be pretty fun just to see more teams in it, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can see the, I can see them like maybe, you know, resting guys for maintenance days or whatever, um, more, more so throughout the regular season. If, if that was the case where you could make it into the playoffs with, uh, with a record that's, you know, 75 points or 80 points in your end. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it, 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 it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, the, your wildcard idea was, was very interesting. I mean, that, that'd be kind of fun to, to, to see, um, you know, just an, a little extra something that that's on the line for, for each team. Right. And you could set it up something with, I mean, you look at how many years there's a dominant division. It's been the Metro a lot where you have teams missing the playoffs that are substantially better points wise than in other divisions. So, I mean, maybe even you set it as like some type of crossover that might be too, little bit too progressive, but something that gives those teams that are in those really difficult divisions an opportunity to switch over to the Pacific or the Central mm-hmm. or anything like that and still get in. Yeah. Yeah, that would be... That'd be interesting too. But then, like, would it be fair for the teams that, you know, are in those the quote-unquote weaker divisions to have to deal with, like... A juggernaut or or whatnot in terms of um whoever's moving over so yeah i mean a lot of repercussions with every decision that uh that comes about right so um yeah i mean it, it'll be interesting to see i mean this this year has been just everything's just kind of been up in the air i mean we've we've kind of just been going with the flow here so um it's just nice to have hockey back right it's gonna be really interesting to see how next year progresses as well like i'm an optimist and i don't mean to bring all the doom and gloom but at the end of the day like 2020 has been a wild year no one knows how this whole covid pandemic is gonna continue so it's you know this is the time to try a little bit more progressive and imaginative solutions to these problems but i do remember reading something about there was teams that have been proposing the last like two or three years to add more teams into like a wild card format or something similar to happen this year. And apparently Batman had continually like squashed it more or less. So I don't know. That's the other aspect. Yeah. That's surprising. Cause you'd think he would want more, um, you know, TV exposure, want more, um, want more for the, for the teams, right. For the owners and stuff too, because you know, those games, you could make quite a bit of money just from even one game, um, ticket sales, merchandise, whatever. Uh, so I'm surprised to hear that actually views and buying playoff gear and everything. Exactly. Yeah. 
but maybe it's something to do with logistics. I don't know who, who knows with, uh, with Gary Bettman, but Kyle, were you trying to say something there? I was just going to go on John's point. I mean, I know it's too early to call next season as well, but, uh, but I mean, the players aren't going to buy into a bubble that lasts six, seven months again, right. If for the regular season. So I I was just kind of wondering what they're going to do next year. The MLB is already having issues with them (laughs) flying around still. Right. So you can't see that being a thing. I can't Um, believe they did that. (laughs) I can't believe. I don't understand how how you didn't see that coming. Yeah. 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 I, I don't get it. I, I just don't understand how that was allowed. Like, why wouldn't you have hub cities? Like, it? why not? Why wouldn't you? Like, it just yeah. makes no sense. I think the Players Association just wouldn't sign on board for that long of a bubble, like Cal said. But, yeah. I I had the thought, and I don't know if something like this would work for the NHL, but... You know, obviously the players aren't going to sign up to be in a bubble for eight months. Yeah. But what if you set something up where it was like four separate bubbles and you stay in a bubble for two weeks and then they take some, you know, travel and a break and then all the teams switch bubbles and that's how you do your regular season. I mean, the logistics of that would be a nightmare Yeah. when, when you have that break you run the risk of people getting infected. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I am a little worried. We're not going to see very much hockey next year too, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thinking about it, that's, that's, that's a lot of to think of because like, okay, the players get their way, say the players get their way and they don't have to stay in that bubble for seven, eight months. Like you were saying, maybe they get to rotate between three or four different ones. Um, what about all the people who have to work there who are going to be serving them food, hotel staff? Like, do they have to stay for seven, eight months in that bubble? Like it would make right. sense for them well, to have to, right? Do the players' families get to come along or yeah. like, do they stay back at their house? And just, it doesn't even matter that their husband's bouncing around all over the country. Right. Like, yeah. And to him, he's just staying in different hotel rooms. So what's even the difference there? Like you get yeah. to have a different restaurant's food really. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, it, it, it's just going to go down to how much do you, like your job i guess <laughs> yeah yeah i mean if it were me i'd be like hey you know what fuck it if you're gonna pay me a million dollars to play hockey yeah i'll do whatever the hell i'll yeah. stay in whatever bubble you need yeah. i'll eat whatever crap food as long as it's nutritious for me you know like but i wonder if you say that if you already have 30 40 million in the bank right yeah you're like not. i'm good with a year off yeah, <laughs> yeah probably yeah. not <laughs> yeah for, for people in our situation it's like hell i'll still i'll stay in prison for that much money eat prison food and like play hockey once every two days like sure no problem prison hockey yeah prison yeah. hockey <laughs> for a million bucks i'll do that for sure <laughs> shit you could pay me like less than the league minimum i would do that yeah. for like 200k a year like, yeah qu- no Just questions asked. You did, yeah. <laughs> put me in coach yeah <laughs> put me in throw me on mcdavid's wing i'll let him bounce a puck <laughs> off me every once in a while yeah i'll just go to the net yeah stick down yeah, stick on much. the ice. Somebody's got to do it on this team. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Move over Zach Cassian. John's in town. <laughs> Josh Archibald. Yeah. That was kind of, I, I, I was surprised he was not top line. I, you were surprised like, you he was? Find, yeah. You couldn't find anybody else? He'd seen a little bit of time up there. Um, yeah, it's success. Kind of throughout the year. Surprisingly, yeah, earlier on. Mm. He's pretty much playing the role similar to what Kajula did here. 
where it's like he's a third liner, but when the lineup gets mixed up, he's kind of like one through four just kind of filling in. But I don't think he played poorly either, but I mean, there's no question that he's not a first line talent, but yeah, I mean, neither is Shiri and he makes it work with Crosby, right? Yeah, that's true. That's really true. There's still, let me ask you this. You were, you were the biggest proponent of getting Andreas Athanasiu on the team. Um, I think it's probably safe to say that you were pretty disappointed in his play in this series. I mean, he was kind of a ghost all series, just like Cassian was. Um, I just kept seeing him skate by the puck. He wasn't really, yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he couldn't hold on to the puck or make any plays really. Um, I never saw 28 anywhere he near the puck. Really great chance. And it rang off the crossbar from in close. Yeah. He like deflected it. Right. He, like yeah. chipped at it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, oh, I mean, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. It was like was coming down too. and he just missed it, right? Yeah. It was like 10 minutes or eight minutes left in the game, too. Like, oh, no, yeah. that, was a, that was a second one, Grant, that he took a bat at from the side of the net. There was another time he was like driving into the net and it scooped up and it like chipped straight into the crossbar and bounced oh. out. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I think it's tough. Like, I looked at it. I think he played nine regular season games and now four with the Oilers, give or take 13 games. I mean, a bit too early to judge, but yeah. obviously the speed is there. He's just been kind of unable to put it all together at the NHL level consistently. He had that one thirty goal year in Detroit. Um, I mean, disappointing. I think he also wasn't, you know, especially with how many penalties were in this series. Not to make too many excuses, but I know the one game he played, he played like nine minutes. Yeah, and it, it just. It, it can be difficult to get going when mm-hmm. that's the ice time you get. Um, but yeah, definitely disappointing. I mean, especially when he got put on the dry and Yamamoto line, I thought, you know, that was, that was what was going to get him going, but wasn't able to, you know, make it work with them. Yeah. I mean, it, it would be tough, like you said, to get going with, with such limited ice time. And, um, you know, he, uh, I feel like it, it was tough for him to get, get his feet under him. I mean, you, you come to a new team, new system, new players, uh, you gotta, it takes time to build that chemistry. Um, so what you, you mentioned that he's going to be an RFA. What are you expecting he'll sign for like less than two, three. So he's, uh, his qualifying offer would have to be three. So oh well. personally, unless they're, you know, he wants a two or a three year deal at less money. I'm going to guess he comes back at one year, three mil next year with mm-hmm. that qualifying, but I don't know. Per- personally, it's, it's one of those things that I think it's an opportunity if you really believe in him to give him some term and almost similar to like a Victor Arvidsson contract where not saying you give him eight years, but maybe you give him, you know, four to six years at, you know, mid two to high two, but It's so tough. Like I just, it's a big risk, right? Like he's one of those guys that, like I said, he has those tools. He's got the speed, but is he just a third line guy that's got some wheels and he's never really going to be able to put it together to be a really high level producer? Or is he the guy that's the solution to Connor McDavid's line problems? I mean, I'm a big fan of him. Like I said, I'm an optimist. So I like to believe that he's going to be on that first line and they're going to develop some chemistry, but 
he hasn't really shown that yet. What do you think, yeah. Carl? Me? I mean, I, I, I really have a similar opinion as you. Like, we've seen his speed, right? I mean, he came from Detroit, and he was kind of their primary puck carrier, right? I mean, it was him and Larkin that did most of the work there. So I think he might be having a little bit of, not an issue, but just figuring out where he fits in to what line, right? Which is what we've seen. He's been bounced all around the roster. He's consistently looked like a little bit out of place and, and he is banking on his speed, right? And that's, that is what we're banking on him to use. But I think a lot of that's going to come through training camp next year, getting a full camp with them, getting a full preseason, you know, and, and actually getting a line that's assigned to him from there um, rather than getting thrown into the mix right after the trade deadline. Yeah, it's, it's a tough right? situation yeah. to go into yeah. when, like you said, it's a vastly different situation from Detroit to Edmonton and yeah. trying to kind of find that compatibility with someone and fitting into the system. And I mean, at the end of the day, he's also not a very good defensive player. And Tippett is not a coach that's just going to, you know, unless you're really putting up that production, he's not going to let that slide. Yeah. Yeah, not to mention the five-month layoff in between, too. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a tough situation to find yourself in. Mm-hmm. But no excuses at the end of the day. I mean, Chicago was in a similar spot, too, right? Like, all these yeah. teams were. So, you know, some teams came ready to play and stepped up, and some teams regressed. So, but I've got to say, yeah. I'm really trying not trying hard not to be that salty, like, oh, the Oilers deserve to win. I mean, at the end of the day got to tip your hat to uh to Chicago and best of luck moving forward. I mean, it's going to be a tough series against Vegas, but this yeah. team's got a lot of experience. And if Corey Crawford plays like he did in game four, they've definitely got a shot. Yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how everything goes. I mean, the, the reason I brought Athanasio up was because, uh, you know, we, we kind of have a similar guy with, with Alex Nylander. I mean, we traded, or for him, um, we traded Henry Yokiharu for him, who was a very, very solid defensive prospect for us. Um, and a lot of fans are still calling for his head. I mean, you know, just even even in this series, there are so many people who are like, "Hey, get Nylander off this team! Like, he does not need to be there." And um, this kid, he's got some skill. I mean, he's got some hands, but uh, like like Athanasiu, he just hasn't figured it out yet. Um, Unlike Athanasiu, he's he's had all he's had all season to try to figure it out. He's just right. still hasn't yet. But um, I mean, the kid's still young. I th- I think uh, he probably has the talent. I mean, he's William Nylander's brother over uh, after all. But um, I don't know. We'll have to see how how everything shakes out. Um, you know, hoping Athanasiu and Nylander can can uh, figure things out on on their end. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to the series. Uh, I mean, it's, it's tough not to like the golden Knights, uh, just from a purely hockey standpoint, hockey fan standpoint. I mean, they're just one of, um, one of the deepest teams out there. I mean, they really benefited from that, uh, from that draft. Uh, so, and they play fun hockey. So it's, it's, it's going to be a fun series to watch. I think that team just goes like nose to the grindstone 99% of the time, which is, Something, I mean, in a pretty blue-collar community like Edmonton, the Oilers fans are always really on the team when the effort isn't there. So, you yeah. know, 
as a fan that grew up in that environment, I, I, you know, you got to give credit where credit is due. Vegas is a very hardworking team. And like you said, they're fun to watch. So yeah, I I think it could be a good series though. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not, I know you're not either, but I'm not writing off Chicago just yet. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not writing them off, but, uh, geez, just having to deal with just thinking about having to deal with the Carlson Smith Marshall line. And then the Mark Stone, Paul Stastny, Max Pacioretty line is just, oh man, it's just, and then you got to deal with Cody glass, Alex Tuck. And, uh, I mean, whoever else they got over there. I mean, it's just, the team is deep and it's, it's going to be it's going to be a nail biting series, I think. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to watch. I mean, we, we need a lot more from our players. Um, they need to step up big, but if anybody can do it, I mean, I, I think, I think it's the Hawks and, and their plethora of playoff experience. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be, um, it'll be fun to watch. I think. I'm kind of rooting for a Chicago Montreal Stanley Cup final just because I think that would be hilarious. Oh, wow, so that'd be wild. <laughs> that would be really funny. <laughs> Five hundred teams making it to the to the Stanley Cup final. That would be uh, two original six teams too. So yeah, I'm a hundred percent down for that. Kyle and I are both in Montreal right now too. So just to kind of see a city, <laughs> you know, go bananas. But hopefully, be smart. I mean, I'm not going to be venturing into any bars during. Right. Uh, during the Habs games, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that 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 would get pretty chaotic. I think social distancing would go right out the window as yeah. soon as that happens. So yeah, for sure, for sure. But yeah. um, anyways, Grant, we're gonna jump off here. But uh, thank right. you very much for joining us again. Yeah, thank yeah, you, absolutely, man. It was it's always fun talking to you guys, and anytime I'll jump right back on. I'm happy to do it. Uh, absolutely. But real quick before I go, uh, we're about an hour away from puck drop on the Columbus. Toronto game. Who do you guys got in game five? Is it going to be heart crushing for the Leafs nation or is it going to be, uh, are they going to finally be able to shake their playoff demons? What do you think? Kyle, you go ahead. <laughs> I see. I want Toronto to lose because just how funny it is. Funny, <laughs> <laughs> But I'd also not want Lafreniere to go there. So <laughs> I'm going to say Columbus to lose because I'd rather that he play there. Yeah. I'm in the exact same boat. Like <laughs> I was, I was rooting for Columbus um, in game four on that crazy comeback back to back crazy comebacks. But then it kind of set in that I was like, Ooh, there's already a good chance. Laugh is going to go to Edmonton, which I mean, obviously we'd be fine with, um, but he could go to Pittsburgh and I don't really want Toronto thrown into that mix. Yeah, like I get so sick of, you know, when we're watching the Chicago Edmonton game and then it goes into intermission, they take a commercial break and they come back. And the first thing they talk about is the Toronto game. And you're like, am I what am I watching right now? Like, are we watching the same game? Like, it's so frustrating, dude. So any player that will not go there, I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. No number one pick for them. Yeah. Yeah. I I know what you mean with Sportsnet. Yeah, it's It's frustrating. frustrating for sure. I mean, I get you got the fans and I'm sure a lot of more like small market teams probably feel the same way about Edmonton, honestly, just because there's so much talk about McDavid and Dreisaitl all the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, I freaking did. I, watching those games, it was ridiculous. Uh, Gene Cuthbert just, I don't know how his knees didn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. Blowing McDavid like all game, every single day. Like even when they weren't playing, he'd talk about McDavid. It was just, yeah. 
McDavid this, McDavid that. <laughs> and I get it. I get it, right? Like he's a he's a phenomenal player. But like, come on, man, get off his dick. Start talking about someone else. <laughs> yeah, and it's just tough when you're like, okay, man, I'm following, I'm watching this network to watch my team play. Like either yeah. talk about their opponent or my team. I understand if there's huge news in the NHL, but yeah. what's yeah. the point of having a home and away feed? Like, you know, yeah. like, I'll watch the national broadcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'm taking Toronto. Both taking Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Let's I, go Leafs. That's the only <laughs> time you'll hear me say that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it, I don't want Lafreniere to go to, to Toronto either, but it, it would be so funny just to watch Leaf Nation squirm again. Just <laughs> the one thing that would be funny about, about it though, if he did go there was that it's like the French Canadian superstar that yeah. everybody was hoping we go to Montreal, then goes to Toronto. That would be quite funny. But Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Yeah. I, I guess I want Toronto to win because I don't want him to. I don't want them to have to play Montreal all the time either. I do like, I mean, I if they don't win the lottery, I'm obviously hoping for Columbus. I also think it's awesome that Columbus is so close to advancing when they lost. Sorry, who did they lose? Bobrovsky, Panarin, Duchesne. and Duchesne, Duchesne, as well as their other, oh, who was that? He was like Ryan the, the other guy that came from Ottawa. Yeah, Zingle. Oh, Zingle. Was he still yeah. there? Yeah. 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 Oh, is he still there? I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought know he moved too, yeah. but that's some bad podcasting right there. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's been the one series I've really just not watched. Like I just had no interest in Toronto Columbus. It's yeah. probably been the most I mean, exciting I, series too. Yeah. I, I like Columbus. They're, they're a good team. Um, torts is, is back to being torts and he's just a, a really good coach. Um, for what he's been able to do in, in Columbus. I mean, this team has really just, you mean, I mean, you, you look at the team and they don't really have a superstar. I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois is their closest thing. I guess Wierenski and Jones too, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you, you just see how, <laughs> how bad of a hand they got dealt this season. I mean, all their stars left. They all basically said, we don't want to play here. Yeah. Right. Um, so I'm pretty sure Panarin said straight out or Bobrovsky. No, Bobrovsky straight out said he didn't want to play there. Um, and it's the same situation as the Islanders last year, right? Like Tavares leaves yeah. and then they are all of a sudden better. Yeah. Just yeah. like a so good it's, story. Yeah. It's fun to watch them and, and the Islanders. Yeah. Both teams, great teams, fun to watch. So um, yeah. I mean, if anybody could use them laugh, I mean, I, I think Columbus could use them. The Preds could use them. Others um, could use them. You could, yeah, you could, but yeah, I don't think you guys deserve them, dude. Just one more first overall pick, and then no, definitely like Stanley Cup for okay? sure. Yeah. Like we've we've had our fix. We just need one more, and then one we'll more, one, one more. Again, okay? You said that the last like three or four times. I know, I think but McDavid this time we're should serious, be your dude. last one. I think McDavid should be your last first overall pick for like thirty years. There's no yeah, but way. Yeah, but like, hear us out. Yakupov was a bust. So like, okay, well, in, in that sense, we pretty much and like, deserve we? a freebie. Like, we're still, you know, iffy on him. So give us one yeah. more. <laughs> and like we traded Hall. That's on Shirelli. Like, yeah. we really only have two. I mean, 
Eberle. Yeah, but he's gone now, and Hall's gone too, so those don't count. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean they don't count? <laughs> they were still they never happened. <laughs> Unbelievable. Just but anyway, it's, it's no, you go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just saying, just one more. <laughs> it's well, always fun being on, on here with you guys. So uh, thanks for having me on here again. Yeah, our pleasure. We'll uh, wish you the best of luck, uh, not for Calgary, but for Chicago. <laughs> and uh, we'll see what happens in the next series. But thank you very much for coming on and kind of giving our listeners that Chicago perspective and not being too much of an asshole about it either. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, boys. We're all part of the same team here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks again to Grant for jumping on and providing that Chicago perspective for us Oilers fans. Uh, definitely was a you know bittersweet series against them. Not, I mean, not even bittersweet, just really bitter. But uh, appreciate him being a champ and not being you know rubbing it in too much. We are going to toss it over to a quick promo here for our House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Hey, hockey fans. I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. We host the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're lifelong hockey fans who talk about the game and the lifestyle. Our guests include professional hockey players. My rookie party had to wear Speedo and then we had a checklist of stuff we had to do. Here we go, Gaber. What do you got to say? And it's kind of like, <laughs> you know better than that now, boys. I got dressed for the Bruins. I get a phone call. And he's like, dude, we need you over here by the elevator. You got to get downstairs. You got to get dressed right now. I started playing the like, dun, 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 and I turned it around and it had the Olympic rings and said, we did it. NHL team hockey reporters. I actually took the Stanley Cup to this ice bar where they've got now girls around them and I've got a fur coat on. <laughs> I wonder who, who he should checked over here. <laughs> and then <laughs> I looked down at my face. Hockey fans. The entire bar was lined with guys in Kings jerseys. We quickly realized, oh my gosh, this is the dad's trip. And we bring unique hockey stories to light. Coming back to England, 24 right. rings in the entire country. That's where the problem starts with the sport of ice hockey here. Canadian Blind Hockey Association, those few kids we interviewed, their whole week is built around Sunday at the rink. They're just hockey players. We don't agree on everything. Pineapple goes on pizza. <gasps> no, it does not. <laughs> I think it does. Well, we do agree that there are many people and places that build the House of Hockey. New episodes every Tuesday. Come on in to the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Okay, Cal. Oilers are out. Vastly different. Disappointed. Let's, you know, kind of try and collect ourselves and look forward a little bit here. So we did talk with Grant a little bit kind of about Athanasiu and some of our other RFAs and UFAs there. So RFAs are Athanasiu, Benning, and Bear. UFAs would be Shahan, Ennis, Smith, and Green. So obviously kind of a, you know, the biggest toss-up there I think is Smith. Let's start there. Do you like seriously consider bringing him back for a second year or are you looking elsewhere if you're Ken Holland? Um, I mean, regular season performance wise, I thought he played fine. You know, I think he, he, if he wanted to could come back for another year, 
I don't think I'd be paying him what I paid him this year, including the bonuses, you know, um, because you're going to be paying similar or more for a decent backup goaltender nowadays too. Right. I don't think any of our goalies in the system are ready to come up yet. Um, I think that's pretty obvious. Uh yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely be talking to him, but I wouldn't go out of my way to sign him. Like, there's always goalies around. Right. It's definitely something that, I mean, there's, like you said, there's always options. Um, I think the thing I like about bringing Smith back, and this isn't like wishing injury, but Koskinen is over 30. Smith is in his late 30s. You know, like you mentioned, with our younger guys in the pipeline. I think it's kind of a way of having two more experienced goalies, but if one of them goes down, it gives Skinner that opportunity to be the backup guy and get in and kind of see how he does in a small sample size. So, I mean, obviously you don't need to go Smith. You don't need to go that route to be in that situation. Obviously any goalie can get hurt at any given time. And Smith has been pretty remarkably healthy for the vast majority of his career. But yeah, it's a tough thing. I mean, I think at the right price, sure, but I'm completely with you that especially in the cap strapped situation that Ken Holland has found himself in, you're not paying him. What was it? 2 million and then up to another two in bonuses or one and a half uh, I mean, in bonuses, have, something I, like that. Something like that. I think it was, yeah, 1.5 or two in bonuses. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was quite about it. And it was all like based on how many games he played throughout the season, which was a good way to structure it too. Right. Because if he became your starting goalie, he got paid more. Right. But, uh, but we already have enough tied up with Koskinen. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you too, while we're talking about goalies um, in the 87.5% chance that we don't win the first overall pick on Monday. As much as the hockey gods, I'm I'm hoping they swing in our favor once again, right? If they don't, Yaroslav um, Askarov, right? The super high projected goalie, um, the Spencer Knight, right in that, Yeah, is going to be right in that window of picks that are going to be available for the teams that are falling out right now, um, at least where he's projected to go, right? Um, would you take a shot on that kid? I think it, I I know we have a couple. You know, Rodriguez is, is showing like he's a decent goalie, but we haven't had an all-star goalie prospect like, ever here. You know, I would... Yeah, since like... Dubnik. I'd love to have somebody just leading the way in our camp. Yeah. I think the no tough thing is, is even with goalies, gonna... like, you take that guy and he's still likely, you know, at least a year or two away. Oh, I mean, it doesn't solve next year, like for no, sure. But I, I mean, that's yeah. yeah. But I mean, like you have a blue chip. We definitely need forwards now. System. We need wingers again, right? But I mean, that's not solving it either. No, right? That next year or two. So yeah, I, I think we solve the forward depth through free agency, and I would love to take a flyer on that kid if we don't get the number one right. Yeah. So I'm completely with you. I'll say that I don't think Holland goes that route. Um. And I know this is kind of you're looking at least three years down the line, but I remember um, Holland saying that he doesn't believe in the system unless you have that top three in the league goalie of paying them that much money. He said he didn't, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but he said the gap between like four and 20 isn't really that big. 
So you can pay a guy at yeah, you get you know, a lot like of goalies mid-teens. that are nine ten, nine fifteen save percentage, and you get the one or two that are outliers over nine three, right? Like exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I don't know how much weight he puts into you know weight not wasting, but spending high draft picks as well as eventual money if that guy pans out. But that being said, I mean, it's obviously tough with the draft. I mean, we're gonna have our pre-draft episode like we like we did last year. And we'll likely have um, Oil Night on as well, SPR, to discuss that in a little bit more in depth. But I think it really depends if anyone slips to us at 14, which is, I believe, where the Oilers would be drafting if they don't win the lottery. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I think it is one of those things where you look at Samsonov and Knight and Carter Hart, you know, getting one of those blue-chip goalie prospects it's pretty nice to have a young goalie I mean, likely still on his ELC. And I mean, all these goalies that have been these blue chips, right? Like, I mean, they're all performing quite well, right? Like, I yeah. I can't think of any young goalie right now. You know, like, even Cal Pedersen, like, out of LA, is going to be a star, man. Like, you know, it seems like a lot of teams are taking a risk on a young goaltender. And nowadays, with, with coaching, and, and like, I, I feel like you can make a player work a lot younger than what historically has been a position where you're like 26, 28 coming into that role in the NHL. Right. Right? Yeah. You're seeing a lot more guys like the Matt Murray's the mm-hmm. um, sorry, I just said it Carter Hart coming in at 19, 20, 21 and being the guy. Yeah. Bennington. I'm well, I mean, he's in his mid twenties and was more of that kind of first example that you listed as a, not a late bloomer, but not figuring it out until his, actually entering his prime but yeah i mean i I think it's tough like when it comes to goalies i really have no idea where holland's gonna go i i mean do you bring in a younger guy that's not you know more of like a suban type as a backup to try and See if you can find a diamond in the rough See, that, that's going to turn into a my guy. Issue. I just want to i just want to give you a heads up too we have got a minute on our recording here we're gonna have to reset but yeah um I, I don't want to keep getting stopgap after stopgap after stopgap, you know, and then we keep, we're, we've never built from the net out, like built defense, you know, and, and try to have a strong core. Like right now we keep having this end to end flashy hockey, which like we have the players to do that with, but when that falls apart, we've got nothing to rely on. Right. I don't think our goaltenders were the issue of this series, but you know, building out from they the also net didn't steal it for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm completely with you where I, I do, sorry, not completely with you, but kind of what you were hitting at there. Like, I think there's bigger problems on this team other than our goaltending. For sure. Yeah, and yeah. Smith, although not superstars, are capable with a team in front of them. But as far as the rest of the roster looks, as far as those free agents, I mean, I think Athens to see you, we spent too much. I know a lot of fans have been critical of him. I know I'm a little bit of an Athens CU stan, but at the end of the day, we spent way too much in the picks to give up on him. So he'll be back likely on that one year, $3 million qualifying, or if Holland decides to extend him a little bit further, hopefully for less money than three. Um, Bear is obviously back as well as an RFA. Where are you at with Matt Benning? See, I... He was always my scapegoat, right? Like the year before this one, 
he was always, you know, looked lost in his own zone. Was a defenseman that could have been easily replaced. And he did have a better year this year, but he still hasn't really taken that replacement level defenseman away, right? Like he can be put in there with anyone else. Now he's a great cheap alternative to have staying around. And I think a great seventh defenseman to keep on the team. Um, the question I, comes, I mean, is I, he willing to be paid as a seventh defenseman? Yeah, exactly. Right. But I mean, I, I think he would, I think he knows his role, right? I mean, he's a bottom six pair. Um, and he knows like there's other players coming in. That doesn't mean he deserves to lose, lose his spot. Right. But he's going to have to fight for it. I don't know. I think he, he slots back in for under two, you know, for another year or two contract. Um, and I'd be happy to keep him for that, right? Like, what's I, he right now? He's one point two two five. No, he's like one point nine, I think. I, oh, okay, I personally, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, it's going to be a similar contract. I don't think you see him go up much. Yeah, two point two at the most. Yeah. I think with Bouchard coming up, luckily or likely, personally, I'm in the boat where I think Benning, if he's w- willing to resign as a six seven D man at like sub one point two, I think yeah. that's fine, but. If he's looking for that 1.5 to high ones, I'm I'm looking elsewhere. I think the other thing is like the big thing that depends there for me is what Holland decides to do with Chris Russell. Now, I've got to say, I think Russell was probably the best, if not one of the best defensemen in this series. Now, that's a four-game sample size, but I think he's a guy that really you know, he fits that scheme of defensive playoff hockey. He's got one year left at $4 million. That's obviously more money than we'd like to be paying him. So I think just for a cap situation, Holland might look at asking for his, you know, 20-team trade list this summer and moving him. But let's for a second his, just say that we keep His Chris issue's Russell. never really been his play, though, too, John, right? Like, Russell... It's a contract. Russell, if he got paid half what he got paid right now, we'd be happy to have him. Right. Like sure. his issue is his issue is not his play. He's always been fine. You know, like he's not not going to run away with a Norris by any means. But I mean, he's going to get you through a game. Right. So, yeah, I, I I'd like to see him gone for purely the four million dollars being free. But realistically, it's two million. And it all depends on what we replace it with, too. It could, it could end up being worse if he's gone. Right. So, well, I think the other thing is, is like. I know Nurse is getting completely dogged on, and I mean, Mm -hmm. he did not play well. He's still got hockey IQ issues, but at the end of the day, he was just re-signed. Nurse is likely back next year unless they pull the trigger on a big trade. So on the left side, you've got Clefbaum and Nurse, and then you've got Caleb Jones has emerged. You've got Chris Russell, and then obviously Lagason and so on towards Broberg. But... Russell can play on the offside. You know, do you go into next year with the similar core of Caleb Jones, Russell Benning as your kind of five, six, seven with Bouchard, obviously given an opportunity to come in. I mean, personally, I think if Chris Russell is back, Benning is probably walking. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Easily. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're going to see, I, I'm assuming Bouchard or, or Jones is going to be slotting in at a consistent basis next year too. Right. So, yeah. Right. So, I mean, there's going to be a roster spot that's gone anyhow that needs to be replaced. So, yeah. 
uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see the choices that are made this offseason for sure, especially like we talked about earlier with it being a flat cap, right? Like what players are going to be expecting for their value, you know, rather right. than always asking for more. Like, are you going to be happy taking the same contract you just had? And right? that's, like, yeah. you know, you transition yeah. beautifully there. Let's look at the forwards. I think NS is back. I think he's shown enough that he can be a key piece in your bottom six. I think he's a wily, aggressive player, and I really like the way he plays. Um, as well as, you know, not in a perfect situation, but has seen some time with Connor and hasn't looked wildly out of place. So, but like you said, with with guys that are, you know, are you willing to make the same one year or two year sub $1 million wage? Because I look at a guy like Riley Shahan, I thought he looked really good as an oiler this year, but he was our three C. He's more of that skill set of a four C. So is he a guy that wants that raise and to make three C money? Cause I don't think that's a decision you can make, but you know, the way the role that he was playing this year, his agent's probably going to be pushing for that. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, he deserves a, a contract here too, but I mean, it's just, yeah, what, it, what is it going to be? Right. Like it's like, he's it's a guy signed for like 1.1. Agreed. Right. But I mean, not to dog. I mean, the one contract we've seen that's bad so far is the Cassian one. Right. Yeah. And, and if a bunch of them get signed this year that are like that, then I mean, we're back in a shithouse dude. So it's just, I, I got faith in Holland. I feel like he's going to make the right moves for sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of wait and see right now. Right. It's a, two days after we just got kicked yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, still teams playing in the same round we're talking about right now. For yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, we got to look forward, but we're going to have obviously more discussion. We'll probably do a more in depth cap breakdown, looking at buyouts and stuff in the future. But like Kyle said, we've got faith in Holland, but you know, he's heading into his first full off season as GM. So I've got faith that he's going to make this team better, but he's got some huge obstacles here as far as the flat cap and, you know, just a weird situation in the world right now. And that doesn't exclude the NHL. So, you know, we'll see what he does there and and obviously be discussing it kind of throughout. I did want to add, you know, before when we were talking about the draft a little bit, Kyle. So as of right now, the Oilers only have their first, fifth, sixth, and seventh picks this year. They lost that third round pick to Calgary, like we talked about in the last episode, but they could defer that pick to next season or like 2021 draft. So personally, with not having a second, third or fourth round, especially yeah, in a pretty deep draft, I'm going to guess Holland's holding on to that third. So no question. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens there. I mean, it's going to be tough. Especially this draft with how it's touted to be deep, you know, even... Yeah. several rounds deep right so but hey everybody get your lucky hats on we've got you know in typical oilers fan fashion kind of trending back to the i don't want to say back to the decade of darkness but having a bit of flashbacks here looking at a draft lottery and hey i mean 12.5 percent chance we get laugh that's uh better odds than we won at least there's other good teams in there with us like i still don't think that we're a bad team by any means you know we're a good team that's getting a shot at a first overall yeah very similar to the year when we got put you know like but we're a better team than we played 
that year. So, it, I mean, it, it's a tough time. I mean, this series was obviously wildly disappointing. I mean, it was a, it was a kick to the teeth. It was the most difficult loss since we lost to the Ducks in 2017. I think as Oilers fans, obviously, it's a it's a tough time. But at the end of the day, we've got a lot to be, you know, optimistic about looking in, into the next year and this offseason and into next season. So do you think we can uh, try to get another team to take 1% of our odds, though? Get that lucky 11 and a half back? <laughs> I, I don't think that's a thing. But, <laughs> hey, you know, maybe we should. Get that 11 and a half. <laughs> Frick. <laughs> I should have right, mentioned too. Yeah. Wrapping up. Even though the Oilers are done, we are still going to give you your Oilers discussion fix every Monday on the Hockey Podcast Network. Stay tuned for episodes coming. Like I said, we're going to have some, obviously some guests. We're going to have a cap breakdown episode. We're going to discuss the draft in a lot more in depth. And, uh, you know, kind of break down this roster and what Holland's options are moving forward. So as much as it sucks that the Oilers are out, we're still really stoked to be dropping podcasts and continue and pumping out some content here. So hope everybody has a great week. We are out of here and we will talk to you next Monday. Bye.